probably all be checking in with someone every now and then. After we, we imploded in the league last year, I wasn't right for yeah. a long time. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. And we should talk about the golf, Nathan. You haven't been to the Masters, have you? No. No. Someday. Like everybody else has never been to the Masters. And the more previews you listen to, the more envious you become of those who have been. Maliki Clerkin was on Golf Weekly last week talking about his trips in, I think it was 09 and 2010. And the incredible thing about the Masters is it looks sensational on TV. It looks like this special place where it's just so pristine. And then everyone who's ever been says, that's actually better in person. It is better. It's Disneyland. Except not as many people get to go. Well, yeah. Well, like, I mean, do you subscribe to the the, the sort of murky uh, legends that surround Augusta National, like spray painting the the grass to give it that extra tint on TV? Well, what's wrong with that? I'm just just wondering. Just wondering if if, if you kind of accept that Every as part GA of the Every GA groundsman in the country is like, shut up, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, every greenkeeper in the country is like, what do you think we do with all the divots? Anytime our course is going to be on TV, we spray paint them green. Uh, listen, there's a lot of murky stuff in the history of Augusta National, but when it comes to 24 hours away from the opening tea time, uh, yeah, it's probably, it is one of the best days of the year, the uh, opening day of the Masters. And the scenes over the last couple of days have just been insane around Tiger Woods. Like, this has not been a master so far. It has been the Tiger Woods show. And that line that is rolled out again and again about you know, Tiger doesn't move the needle Tiger is the needle it has never been more in evidence than this week you look online we were doing our Golf Weekly preview yesterday and it was up on Monday night trying to do various bits of research and press conferences you go on any of the American golf websites all you can find is wall to wall Tiger Woods every minute of his day tracked every bit of history every great victory is there and nobody else matters which may work perfectly into their hands Scotty Scheffler Scotty Scheffler is the world number one guys he's the world number one uh, going into this tournament nobody bothers me this week nobody gives a damn about me this week because I'm not Tiger Woods I did see some Rory press conferences and some some Rory stuff is that just that we're getting it in the Irish media because there's more interest in it or is he still uh, you know adjacent to abutting the needle I, I think he's a distant number two to Tiger there's always going to be an interest in Rory because our entire conversation around Rory McIlroy changes dramatically if he was to turn up this week and win because he has won the career Grand Slam, uh, something no European has ever done. Everything that's gone on over the last eight years and his struggles in majors and the question marks that have been there are instantly forgotten if he turns up at Augusta this week and wins the tournament and wins that career Grand Slam and a fifth major title. Now, he's probably never come into a major in worse form in a more low-key manner like nothing has really happened from this year he's driving the ball quite well but his approach play has been atrocious and last week he missed the cut in texas and does any amount of footage of mcelroy middle of the fairway you know 140 150 yards away from the green and his next shot is in a part of the course that wasn't even on screen when you were looking down at at the at the shot so that's been his biggest issue you know around the greens his chipping is really good Putting isn't that big an issue around Augusta because it's all about experience. It's a difficult place to put for anybody. And McIlroy is not the greatest putter in the world, but he has so much experience. Like This is his 14th time playing at the Masters. 
Sergio won it on his 19th appearance, but it's very rare for somebody to play this often at the Masters and get your first victory. So a lot of the stats go against Rory. I think if he wasn't in such poor form, if he's shown anything over the last four or five weeks, when you look at that weather forecast, the amount of rain that's been due to fall, ordinarily we would say this is prime Rory McIlroy conditions. So maybe with Tiger taking all the headlines, maybe with Rory not having to do 50 interviews talking about the career Grand Slam, maybe, just maybe, he can rock up this week and he can get his approach play in order and he can put well and he can pull off what it feels like would be a bit of a shock at this stage yeah, it'd be but huge. I don't see it it'd be a huge shock really like that's that we're, we're not at the level here where we're talking about him as a contender like genuinely where we think that's going to happen it's more uh, you would be hopeful for him that something good can happen but there's no evidence but he has the talent he has the talent and he knows how to play this course like he know he has shot very low numbers around this course all the time so that isn't an issue we still don't know what would happen, you know, if he was in contention in the back nine on a Sunday because he just hasn't been there since, you know, he found that house off the tenth uh, back in 2011. Like, he hasn't been in contention in the back nine. He played in the final pairing with Patrick Reed. Was it back in 2018? And he was sort of gone within, well, even a couple of holes mentally. I think he was gone, but he was gone out of contention by the time they hit the back nine. So he, you'd love him to be there. It is electrifying when McIlroy's in contention because if he gets in contention, he is playing well. He is back to his very best. But it's hard to make a case based on what we've seen from him so far this year. Uh, what is the prospect of Tiger doing anything? Like, is Tiger making the cut a a huge, like that would be the story, really? If Tiger can make the cut, or I mean, he says he's there to win, and that's the back page headline, and he can't say anything else because that's the whole point of of his uh, incredibly aggressive, competitive nature. But there's no way he can come back from not having played any golf, is there? No, no. There's no way Tiger Woods can win this. Like It goes without question. It is the greatest story in the history of all sport if Tiger Woods was to rock up here this week and win the Masters. So he said in his press conference... Until Mayo wins yes, Sam this year, obviously, but go on. Obviously, obviously. He'll have a few months of glory before uh, Mayo steal in there. You know, ask, do you believe I can win? I do. And that is the headline. But then as he spoke in his press conference about what he's gone through over the past year, like, three months in a hospital bed... Now, they transferred the hospital bed to his front room at one stage, but he still couldn't get out of it. So this time, three months ago, he was still stuck in his hospital bed with a leg broken in two places, had smashed up his ankle, all sorts of other injuries. And remember, when that accident happened in February 2021, the night before he was on TV at the Genesis, where he wasn't in a good way at all. And the reason he wasn't in a good way was because he just had back surgery for the fifth time. So there were already concerns even then as to whether Tiger could get anywhere near where he was in 2019. He looked like he was really suffering. He was struggling out on the golf course. So to go from a place where his body is absolutely battered and bruised, and he says he can swing the club, and he says his swing is in good shape, and he can hit the ball the way he wants to hit the ball, he admitted that his issue this week is walking. And <laughs> Augusta National is a tough walk. Brooks Kepka went to Augusta over the last couple of years, and he's had his own... Uh, knee injuries and leg injuries and said how difficult it was trying to get around the place. Like even the fit young players really feel it, the uh, intensity of having to get around and the pressure and just walking the course. So I cannot see any way that Tiger Woods turns up and wins this week. I think if he makes the cut, it's an unbelievable achievement to not having played golf in well over a year going on almost 18 months at this. They should not have played any golf at to come up and win the biggest tournament in all of the sport for a sixth time with all the pressure. 
geez, the more you talk about it, the, <laughs> the more you would love it to happen. But comparisons to, to 2019, like Tiger Woods was one of the best players in the world when he won in 2019. In the previous eight months, he could have won the Open, could have won the USPGA. He won the Tour Championship. He was back. He was fully back then. He was playing on a regular basis. It's impossible to sit here and say that Tiger Woods can turn up and win. But, but he knows the course inside out. Yeah, if he, he makes the cut, though, we'll be excited. He can manage his yeah. way around. And maybe he can just hang around. Like That will be his aim is hang around. And see what happens. Maybe you somehow make the cut. Maybe you go into a Sunday three, four shots behind. The momentum that builds behind them suddenly becomes too much for the other contenders, as it did in 2019, as they one after one went into the water on 12. Yeah. Maybe that allows them in. But I think if Tiger comes and shoots even 74, 74, and he makes a cut or misses cut by a couple of shots, it's still huge for him to get here. And the one thing I would say is like, Tiger has been humiliated on the golf course many times over the past decade. He shot an 85 at Memorial. He shot an 82 at Phoenix in, in 2015 when he was struggling with injury. I remember he could barely bend over to pick up his tee. Week after week, you see him in the parking lot after a first round having to pull out of the tournament. So he, he's never had an issue of, oh, well, I have to turn up here and be able to win. He wants to get out and compete. He wants mm. to be in playing tournament golf. So there's every possibility that happens, that he turns up. And it's too and soon. 79, 80. It is too soon. Yeah. He ends up pulling out of first round. And it's not going to tarnish his legacy in any way. No, I, don't, I, th- I think um, he did other stuff and he got away with it. So it's fine. His legacy is probably secure at this point. Uh, playing golf while injured is not going to in any way. Um, be something that anybody has as a negative towards him. Uh, Mark has been in touch to say I'm watching in Manchester Airport departures after being at the Etihad for City's hard-fought 1-0 win last night. Excellent patience from City and superb play from Foden for the goal. I think we will score there. Maybe, maybe you just know that Atletico Madrid are going to ratchet up all of the dark arts and it'll be interesting to see exactly how well that works for them. Ray says them Atletico players were not happy with Grealish getting that Gucci deal. They certainly... um, they were preying on Jack Grealish when he came off the bench last night. I thought he did pretty well. Like, what was Pep doing? Like pushing him out of the way and get out of it. It's like, shut up, Pep. Shut up. Uh, shut up. Uh, Leave I, me alone. No, I, I think I think was in a, the Porto game earlier in the season with Atletico where they managed to completely get into the heads of, of those Porto players. And But Jack uh, Grealish has had his whole career being kicked by everybody. Yeah. He knows exactly what the game is here. He doesn't need Pep giving it the big one I know but like you're his manager I mean you, you can't you can't but be safe in those situations especially when you're protecting a one goal lead yeah. Mark says Liverpool have the biggest and best squad in the league they have seven forwards um, Kenny the dad says morning lads from a rainy London town so it's uh, rainy general all over these islands at the moment and MOC says it's a lifestyle decision to play in Australia nothing else also Rory has no chance he can't put it is definitely a lifestyle decision to play in Australia that's the, the key point we're going to talk about um, tonight's games in more detail with Phil a little bit later on but is there anything you want to say about uh, Thomas Tuchel and the job he's doing he's got Real Madrid tonight this would be I mean he's already won the Champions League so you could say that's pretty much the crowning glory of his career so far but pulling it out against Real Madrid over these two legs under the circumstances at the moment with everything that's going on at Chelsea coming off a pretty horrific performance at the weekend against Brentford that would be good management Nathan It would uh, though you would worry it's following the old familiar pattern that we probably all predicted uh, for Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea where Maybe they flatline a little bit towards the end of the season. He's under insane pressure under new ownership at the start of next season. And come October, come on down, next Chelsea manager. Who's hitting? Come back in for four months and save us. Rafa Benitez, will we go there again? No. We've no that, money left anymore. That's all, that's all, we need to go and do that. That era's passed. That's not going to happen. They're going to give Tuchel a job. The, the new owner should definitely come in and say, right, Tuchel, you're our guy for the next couple of years, no matter what happens here. The young squad, sell a couple of the, the duds. 
get as much money as you can for Lukaku and keep building. Uh, last one for you then. Who else are you watching out for at the Masters? Who else am I watching out for at the Masters? Uh, Justin Thomas is the one, I think, who is going to win the Masters. He is one of the best iron players in the game. He's got a brilliant short game. Uh, like a lot of them, maybe not the greatest putter, but he's playing at Augusta for the seventh time. Uh, generally plays well around here. So he's in good form this season uh, at Riviera, at the players. He has Bones on the bag, who was Phil Mickelson's caddy for three Masters victories. So could be a huge influence as well. And I think Justin Thomas is one of those elite players in the game. Though the more I was looking at it, the more I'm thinking, why am I not going for John Ram? Why not just John Ram? And he's should I pick the second favorite or the, the favorite? That's Nathan's well, uh, well, tipping here. Will I pick the best uh, golfer or the second best golfer here? Well, I'm going to go out and I'm pick the guy who's going to win. Uh, John Ram, I would love to see win. He's lacking a bit of form. He's been struggling with a short game over the past while, but he's as good as he gets off the tee. He always plays well at Augusta. And what's sort of been playing in my mind is an interview yesterday we was talking about tapering down for the Masters so I do wonder if the Masters is all he's been thinking about actually for the last couple of months and he's been working on his Masters game at other tournaments and maybe not concentrating fully on them obviously Spaniards have this unbelievable record at the Masters that Seve and Olive won it twice Sergio won it uh, not getting any help from Tiger Woods though poor old John Ram. I don't know if you saw this during his press conference it was kind of hard to make out uh, whether or not he was joking or whether he was deadly serious. Uh, so he was asked about Tiger being back and if he ever you know, got to pick Tiger's brains and get a little bit of information. And he said, oh, well, I think there's only one man he can ask about that. You know, Justin Thomas is you know, Tiger's best buddy and he's the only one who ever gets anything good out of Tiger. Oh, I remember playing around with him and uh, asking him about a certain type of green. He's like, oh, you just got you know, to just just go with the flow. And he's like, oh. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that, Tiger. And then I played with him another time down in the Bahamas and I was asking him about sort of his chipping technique and playing at a certain bent grass greens. And Tiger just said, oh, you've got to be shallow, John. I was like, oh, thanks, Tiger. And then I look around and he's given Justin Thomas a full dissertation on how you do this thing. Uh, but it was definitely said with a tone of, why is he the golden boy? And uh, I'm not the golden boy. So uh, maybe there's a bit of beef there. You would love to see some John Ram. Uh, my, my other one's Jordan Speed. Come on. Jordan Speed, he played okay. unbelievably well this on is a Sunday. Good, this is a good time to bring this comment in. No, come on, lads. No golf coverage, please. They have a podcast devoted to this nonsense. <laughs> Keep it there with the rest of the degenerates. We didn't We didn't make that up. That's a real comment. And That's as soon enough. as you mentioned Jordan Speed, I think, boom, Aww. that's the precise moment to I, cut him off. I got a lot of... Got kill a lot, his line, kill his mic. Got, got a lot of um, Golf Weekly love from a particular Ross Common fan after the game on Sunday, Nathan. So big up oh, to yeah. you and congratulations to, to you, you. The, the cross one subscriber guys. anyway yeah, there's one. I'll give you my two outsiders then uh, Wacky Neiman Wacky Neiman <laughs> We didn't ask you for them Go on quick <laughs> All right. well, You were giving out that I'm I was pulling your mic literally I'm pulling, We're supposed to be finished about three minutes ago You Listen You were giving out I was only talking about the top two I like Wacky Neiman mm-hmm. and I like Adam Scott Alright Wacky Neiman Adam Scott and the rest of his um, bets all available for you If you subscribe uh, to Golf Weekly patreon.com forward slash golf weekly otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly you'll get it there and uh, if you just follow Nathan on social media that's all he ever talks about Nathan good stuff enjoy the Masters thanks lad John Duggan is with us for a very special edition of Virtual Insanity John oh. you have entered power drive 
Um, I, In I, your life, have you ever seen a preview like this? <laughs> uh, right. Take it away. I was going to say that I do remember one Easter Sunday, Bernard Langer winning it and talking about the Lord rising and him rising in the same day and being like, <laughs> wow, Jesus. <laughs> well, my Easter Sunday is going to be pretty cool, but um, this Sunday is not Easter Sunday. Oh, that's what I was just thinking. It's like you, you've been, you've been uh, living the life of a Spartan. I've been shrinking in the wash. I've been in the washing machine every night sleeping there, so... It's been an unusual experience. Um, and, and, but you can't have the massive celebration on Easter Sunday if you tip a winner here. Uh, yeah, I can. I can wait a week and then and have that massive celebration. Like, you've just got to celebrate life, whatever happens here. Uh, so I don't know what you want to do, guys. You want to talk about the tournament. You want to go through the Irish players. You want to go through my picks first. What you want to do? You take it away. Um, okay. I think that we're seeing a side of Tiger Woods that is uh, very much human and I think he's really endearing himself to everybody. It's just brilliant to see that um, for all the pips and all the uh, artificial incentives that they might try to uh, generate interest in golf that there is still only one person who has that natural aura and that is Tiger Woods and to see him tee it up tomorrow at Augusta is going to be pretty amazing. Do you think there's anything in the whole Mickelson's not there, I'm going to ride back in and save golf that is like, you know, when when the rehab was too sore for him to do that he was like, oh, Jesus, if I could just make it back for the Masters, that would really sick and fail. Well, I think the relationship with them has always been uneasy. I think it was dislike for a long time. Uh, I thought it got a bit warmer uh, in the last few years because ultimately it, it became clear that Woods was you know, clearly the best player. Like Mickelson is the second best player of this generation. It is in a way sad that Mickelson's not there. I think more though, it's about Woods and his son. I think having his son is is now he's in his teenage years, he's like thirteen or something like that, and his son is playing golf. I think that's a big part of of Tiger being back, and uh, he just wants to compete. And I, there's only so much time you can spend, I suppose, rehabbing every day and being in pain. Even if you're in the pain, you might as well go out there and get the adulation of the crowds and and go there and tee it up tomorrow. So, look, I, I don't think he's going to win. Uh, he might have a good round or two but I think the biggest challenge for him as he outlined in the press conference yesterday will be the walk it's very hilly terrain 72 holes it's tiring it's pressure and I'm sure there's a lot of down rehab to be done as well So He wants to show his kids that he's good at golf I mean all they remember from their childhood if he's not good at golf is topless Santa with the sunglasses on it's like kids I'm actually good at this game might have been 25 years ago uh, but uh, like I mean, winning in 2019 Augusta would have been their first time where they were like oh okay we've actually seen this we've seen dad win a major yeah and as many times as he can have that experience I think he's going to try he's 46 now will he be there in 10 years time playing the Masters competitively probably not so how many does he have left for, like how many good summers do you have left in life uh, 4 to 5 so that's Tiger Look, it's the Irish lads. Um, we'll get to two of them in a moment because they're my picks. But the other two, Patrick Harrington, I think like he could have a good day today, uh, tomorrow. He played well at the Champions Tour last week. He's 50 years of age now. He says he's got a bit of a knee injury. He hasn't been there in seven years. But uh, Patrick is most, one of the most intelligent pe- people to ever play the game. So he can always pot his way around. Seamus Power, uh, hard to expect him to win as a rookie. But I do think he's got an excellent short game and... I, I just hope he enjoys it and I'm sure there'll be a big Waterford contingent supporting him. I went through all 20 of the, the top-ranked players in the world last night. I was going through like a line in each one. So I don't know if you want to pick one, lads. Uh, so when you were doing this, right? Yeah. You picked the world rankings. as I, I presume the world rankings and the betting are very similar for, for a tournament like this, are they? Yes, they are. Uh, but not necessarily because my headline tip is fifth in the world and he's about 11th in the betting. 
So uh, there is a... Well, let's start there. Yeah, okay. Why the difference? So who is it? Patrick Cantlay, uh, as everybody would expect if they follow this at all, is my headline tip uh, for the Masters. So Patrick Cantlay is 22 to 1. I'm just going through the odds here. Like, you can get, a, like, got to go each way, folks. There's only 91 players in the field. If you rule out the rookies that aren't going to win, if you rule out the amateurs, if you rule out the old timers like Sandy Lyle that Ali are not going to win the tournament, you're into about the mid 60s. A regular tour event of 144 people or 156 people. So, actually, this is a losing week for the bookmakers. This is why virtually I'm betting more than I usually do. Don't do this at home, please. Just do a euro each way. But I actually think there's value this week. Like, you're back in players to be finished in the first 9, 10, or 11. Patrick Cantley. Is 22 to 1 for 20 each way of our virtual money. Look, he's just an, uh, an unsexy pick. He's, a, he's, not a, uh, he's an unassuming guy. He's a quiet guy. Um, people might say he's boring. I don't think he is. Um, and he also hasn't played that well maybe the last three to four tournaments. So what? Like this guy won the FedEx Cup last year. He won four times on the tour last year. He was four times in the top 10 at the start of this year. On all of the statistics, he plays really well. Um, actually, when you compare his last two rounds in 2019, when he nearly uh, challenged Tiger, and then the first two rounds in 2020, he was 20 under par at the Masters. He does everything well. He was in the Butler cabin 10 years ago as the leading amateur. He took two years out of the game. Like you're talking about Woods and comebacks, he didn't play for two years with a stress fracture in his back. Um, his best friend died in a hit and run. He was right beside him when that happened. To come back and uh, go, be the world number, like the top player in the FedEx Cup and the PGA Tour Player of the Year is incredibly resilient and I think his mental strength is going to be a huge factor in Patrick Cantlay contending this week. I think if, to finish in the top nine at 22 to 1 each way I think is a strong bet and he's my, of all the big players, he's my headline pick this week. I don't know if you want to uh, ask about that or whatever but um, Thomas Peters is my second pick. Um, I tweeted out in January that I felt he was a dark horse for the Masters after I watched him win the Abu Dhabi Championship. Ooh, um, big price. He's 80 to 1 for 10 each way. Like Thomas Peters, like he's so naturally talented. He was one of the top college golfers in America. I don't think he likes to travel. In 2016, he turned up at the Ryder Cup as a rookie in Darren Clark's team and was the top European point scorer. Then he went to the Masters as a debutante the following April and finished in a tie for fourth. He hits it a mile. He's good with his irons. And he's back in form after a couple of years in the doldrums. Uh, he's back in form. He's won twice now in the European Tour this season. Can I ask you a question, yeah. right? Because well, I'm seeing Thomas Peters at 110 to one yeah, on yeah, Bet Three Six Five, yeah. but I think they're only paying eight places. I'm yeah. going ten places. So what? So what do you do? Do you take the bigger price for the eight places? Or do you take the shorter price for the ten places? In this instance, in this in this instance, I'm going to go for ten places because I just want that bit more security. Okay. Uh, and you're willing to make that sacrifice? I'm from, willing to make that sacrifice because I, I th- still think I think Thomas Peters should be fifty to one. He's 80 to 110 to 1 in places. I think he's a very much a value bet this week. There's a couple of bookies I've never heard of on Odds Checker that have them bigger than that as I, well. I don't trust those bookies. I, like, I don't trust them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, Fair enough. Bet with people you know. Exactly. So Thomas Peters has got the talent to win this. Like, is Thomas Peters going to wilt under the pressure? He could miss the cut, but is he going to wilt under the pressure? No, I don't think he is. And that's why he's clearly my second pick behind Patrick Cantlay. I think he's a fantastic prize. I backed him last Saturday 100 to 1. That's number two. Uh, number three is Rory. Like people, oh, here we go again. You're sorry. Rory. I'm sorry to interrupt again, right? Because he's on he's on Betfair Exchange at 123 right now. I don't know what the story is with the exchange. Well, the, well, the Betfair Exchange, for, remember, is only win only. There's win only, and then there's top five and top ten on the Betfair Exchange. Okay, okay. So, you know what you're using the Betfair Exchange for if you're going to get into the technicalities of this is to trade. So if Thomas Peters ends up in a playoff or he ends up leading on a Sunday and he's three to one, you lay it off. 
you hedge your bets like a stockbroker. Right. And you don't do any, do you do any of that for, for the masters or anything um, like well, this? Like, like Scotty Scheffler, remember Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler, we tipped them earlier this year. I laid them off because they, they both reached playoffs. I laid them off for significant profit. Right. Um, Zalatoris, remember Luke List won, we had Luke List as well. Oh yeah. So I, I laid off Zalatoris for half my money. So that's why the whole point of, you know, if you want to have a crack on somebody in the exchange, you can get two, three hundred to one and get bigger prices. The whole point should be to trade, not to just leave it there. So when they're, when they get down to like single digits, yeah, yeah. Like, layoff. Yeah, you've got these big players like with big money that, that might be trading on like between 70 and 50 to one or whatever. Um, the whole point of tipping Rory at 18 to one, and this is where 10 places, is that Rory's been in the top 10 six of the last eight years in the Masters. There are definitely legitimate concerns about his approach play, about his mentality, about the career grand slam, about all these kind of things. But if you look at six of the last eight years, at 18 to one to finish in the top 10, if you finish at the top 10 again, you make a profit. That is the rationale behind Rory being the third pick this week. Yeah, and I, I, I look, I get it. The the backdoor top ten from Rory McIlroy, yeah, where he shoots it's, it's, a sixty two on the final day, haven't been completely well, out of contention. That's that's on the cards, absolutely. And that's why it's about profit. It's not about winning and losing. Of course, you want to tip the winner. That's what we're here for. But it's also about profit. About me finishing ahead of the virtual money as I am at the moment, and I was last year. How concerned are you about missing the cut last week? Me. Uh, Rory, no, not at all. Rory, uh, the, the actual stat here, um, I was here like really burning the oil. And the one thing I wrote, wrote down beside Rory McIlroy has won four times in the PGA Tour the week after missing the cut. Okay, so uh, it doesn't, it doesn't the, matter. The, uh, the bigger worry for Rory is his irons and his wedge play. Um, the rest of it, actually, the conditions are good this week and the high ball hitting could, you know, I think Rory and wind and Rory and bad conditions, and, you know, I think good conditions this week could help him. Okay. Shane Larry's the fourth one at 40 to 1 for 40 to A, a fifth of the odds of first eight places. Larry, I think Port Rush is a huge thing for him. And I think that winning that by six shots has freed him up. He's playing really well. He was second at the Honda. He's very good on the approach stats at the moment on the PGA Tour. Uh, top 15s of the Players' Championship, the Valspar Championship, uh, 11th in strokes gained approach, as I said. 21st last year. I think he's getting to know Augusta a bit more. Um, put it well at Oakmont when he nearly won the US Open. I think Shane Lowry can definitely contend this week. I think he's comfortable in this Sunday arena. Uh, the fifth one is Mark Leishman. He's the experienced horse here. Players who continually go back to Augusta and play well. He's 70-1 to for 4 each way. 38 years of age, is happy with his game, um, has been three times in the top 10, including a tie for fifth last year, uh, well, lost a playoff at the Open Championship, and has also won big events at the Farmers Insurance Open and the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So he knows how to win. He's a six-time winner. All the focus is on Cam Smith, but maybe Mark Leishman might be the Aussie. And the final one at 90-1 to 1 for four each way is Siwoo Kim of South Korea. This guy is ridiculously talented, and he's very temperamental. Broke his putter last year in the second round. Won his tour card at the age of 17. Won the players at the age of 21. Um, is really good off the tee. Doesn't have that many weaknesses. Good short game. Was tied for 13th in Texas last week. Won last year in the tour. Is a bit of a dark horse. Has had um, three top 25s of the Masters. And was tied for 12th last year. So Siwoo Kim, Mark Leishman and Shane Lowry. These are in the bracket of those kind of mid to high range each ways. Rory the whole rationale there is that he finishes in the top 10. If he wins, fantastic. Wonderful for Irish golf. Thomas Peters, I feel very strongly, is a very good each way bet as my number two. And I'm going to stick with Patrick Hantley, who I think is vastly overpriced at 22 to 1 with the bookies and then even 27 to 1 on the exchange um, for a guy who was probably the hottest player in golf only about a month or two ago. Right. 
Um, well, that that's they're the tips, and um, we'll talk about some of the top twenty in the world. Oh, and you two have been doing your own Augusta deep dive. This is the important stuff. Um, this is the the look at what you can actually buy on the course at Augusta National. So, say for example, if you've just dropped ten grand on a ticket at Augusta National, cash. It doesn't matter if you eat enough food. On the course, you will essentially make that money all back because it is so bloody cheap. We've got two big pieces of news this year going into the concession stands at Augusta National 2022. The first piece of news is that the sausage biscuit is out. This is off the menu. This has been replaced with something that is arguably better. You've now got the breakfast sandwich, which is fried egg, sausage patty, bacon and American cheese on a brioche bun. It'll cost you $3.00. That is €2.75, which will get you half a jambon in a Dublin city centre deli counter. So that is exceptional value for a full breakfast roll, essentially. So this is a a net win, I would say. That one coming off and that one going on in the Augusta concessions menu scores. Yeah, it's basically candy floss, by the way. It it basically is. It's absolutely amazing. The, The second piece of news, and this is bad news, this is a hit that the menu simply cannot come back from. The famous Georgia peach ice cream sandwiches are gone. There have been supply chain issues and it means it cannot be produced in great enough quantities for the tournament. This is obviously a a great scandal. You don't need me to tell you that. And the Augusta Chronicle have been on top of this scandal. And I quote from their website. Jordan Udy, who made the trip from Farmington, New Mexico, described the news as a total bummer on Monday afternoon. Golf.com has also been in on the news. Uh, In losing the ice cream sandwich, Augusta National is losing a piece of itself, they say. Uh, Another quote from their piece. Oh my goodness, you're kidding. One otherwise pleasant woman yelled when she heard the news on Saturday at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. So the Georgia Peach ice cream sandwich is being gone is an absolute scandal before a ball is even hit this year in the tournament. Just to give you a rundown of the, of the full menu, at the price of a pint is going up in Dublin, as we know, it's also going up in Augusta right now. You've got a domestic beer for $5 on the course. Last year, a domestic beer would have only set you back $4, and not long ago, you would have got a domestic beer on the course for $2.75. So they're rising the cost of drink on the course. If you talk about some of the other drinks you can get, you can get a coffee for $1.50. A chicken biscuit sandwich, by the way, is, is one fifty, And then that brings us to the sandwiches, the famous sandwiches, your egg salad sandwich for $1.00. Fifty, your Masters Club sandwich for $3, your turkey and cheese on wheat for $3. But of course, the famous Augusta snack is the pimento cheese sandwich, which is still at the cheap price of $1.50. Now, last week, Golf Digest did a great piece. Uh, Sam Weinman of Golf Digest did a deep dive in the, on the pimento cheese sandwich. And I hadn't realised this, but uh, up until 15 years ago, Augusta National used to import their pimento cheese sandwiches from a South Carolina caterer. And then they decided to, to make it more closer to home and and Augusta changed to a company uh, in Augusta who tried to crack the the, the recipe. So there there was this guy, Ted Godfrey, who Golf Digest also spoke to. He tried to crack it and he said, we tried over 33 cheeses and we still couldn't get it right. So it took him six months. He did eventually get it right and Augusta National was back on track with his pimento cheese. He was asked by Golf Digest for the key ingredient and he said, I can't tell you. Pimento? Augusta were, maybe, uh, Augusta were happy with it. But then... Billy Payne decided in 2012 that no, just having someone in Augusta is not going to be good enough. We want someone on Augusta National within the confines of this course to actually be producing this pimento cheese. So this guy lost his business. They asked him for the secret recipe and he said he'd give him the secret recipe if he got a couple of badges for the course. And they said, nah, you're grand, thanks. And then in 2013, the first year without this guy, Wright Thompson blew the lid off this thing. He said, 
the pimento is different. There's definitely more spice and something there's more mayo. The consistency has changed, sometimes leaving soggy bread gummed up around uh. a big blob of the spread from the outside. It seems like a combination of legal liability issues and stubborn pride has left the master's concession staff trying and failing in a rare moment of fallibility to recreate the same recipe that generations of golf fans have enjoyed. It's still $1.50, but it ain't what it used to be, it seems. Soggy bread. Mm. I'll be texting my sister. She's over there, as I said, yesterday, today, and giving her that update. Hopefully she has tickets for today? Yeah, today and Friday. Okay, great, because um, yesterday Nathan was saying they got called off because of the, the weather. Yeah, a washout. Look, folks, if you're going to get involved in this, never gamble more than you can afford. I'm a pro in my own mind uh, at this, so that's what I'm doing, the, 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 the tactics and the strategy that I'm doing here, so don't uh, don't go mad. Um, yeah, look, it's, it, it, it's going to be great, you know? The other top 20 interest of people of interest to you who aren't you? You aren't tipping. Uh, do you go through that top twenty with the intention of knocking them out, or just as a oh, this one could be a live threat to me here? Yeah, the, uh, the, all two thousand three hundred and forty-six words of the preview are now on OTBSports.com and on the OTB Sports app. I respect, I respect, you know, I respect you. It's like I'm a mafia. Uh, but Xander Schauffele, I can't have you this week. But Xander Schauffele is somebody I respect. Just doesn't win enough. Four times only on the PGA Tour, but he's been nine times in the top. Uh, 10 and 18 majors and he was tied for second and tied for third hit it in the drink last year when challenging Hideki I respect Xander Schaffler I also respect Justin Thomas with Bones Mackay Phil Mickelson's ex-caddy on the bag uh, great approach player 14 times a winner of the PGA Tour no problem with getting it done uh, John Ram is not putting well enough for me at the moment and he's kind of there's a bit of anger there There, I kind of John Ram was kind of his press conference yesterday it was a bit strange he was talking about like Justin Thomas getting dissertations from Tiger and Tiger not giving him any advice uh, on the golf course I found a bit of a strange press conference look you've got to respect Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler the way they're playing but it's just hard to win and peak all of the time this is all about peaking and and uh, all of the stuff I've read over the last week there's this narrative well you know it hasn't played well in the last couple of weeks it doesn't work that way there are storylines here that we can't foresee, and sometimes you need to go against the grain on the storylines. Like Hideki had disappointed so many times after promising to win the Masters, and then he turned up last year and won it. I think that sometimes people can get too narrow about the statistics and the strokes gained approach. And sometimes if, this is about, like, having watched a lot of these over the last few days past Masters, a lot of it's like it's going to be one between the years. And that's why I'm comfortable with the likes of Cantley, who is an ice cold killer. Thomas Peters has got all the talent. Rory can say maybe not, but the top 10, that's the rationale there. Shane Larry's definitely capable of winning this. Um, what about James Power? Because he's a rookie, yeah. he can't win? Uh, there's that. I think it's just experience. I don't think it's because he's a rookie, he can't win. Like Sam Burns could win this. Um, it's just hard. Only three rookies have ever won it since 1934. And obviously the first one is because of the first one, Horton Smith. I just find it difficult to see Seamus uh, turning up and winning this. It takes a while. It takes maybe about six to eight tries. You can even see Shane Larry's performances have slowly improved over the years in that his best performance was last year. Rory took a couple of times to, to get his head around it before he then really contended. So, look, he's got a great short game, but the, the nuances of Augusta, even I was speaking to Keith Wood outside, like the nuances of the slopes and, and, and hitting in the right areas are so pronounced that you just don't see them on television. So, no, I can't see him winning it. All right. Anything else you wanted to keep an eye out of for the future? One last question, sorry. Yeah. You were talking there about um, Hideki turning up and winning it. Are you somebody who, in the middle of the tournament, will look at where people are and see if you can spot somebody coming from behind? Or are you exclusively, uh, Wednesday is when I make my bets and the rest of the week I, I watch and enjoy? 
Uh, I think there was only once in my life when I did that, uh, as well. I didn't have the money on the Thursday in the back pod to Carrington to win the Open on the Saturday morning, 33 to 1, and he won. Uh, so that was 15 years ago, and that's why it was 15 years ago. No, in Algeria, I, I would stick to what I stick to your guns because if you start getting involved and you start getting back in 25 golfers because you, of the ebbs and flows of a Monday round, and it doesn't work that way. The tournament, they say it only starts in the back nine on Sunday, and that is completely true. Don't get, don't, uh, mess up your mind around it stick to your guns I'm going to decide whether you follow my advice or have your own advice this is only a guide um, but uh, like you just got to follow the, 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 the kind of the key things here like an elite player um, would, is probably going to win this I think Bubba was the last player 10 years ago who wasn't an elite player to win this so you have to expect an elite player to win it it's it's just stick, stick to the obvious is what I'd expect and we know that at the moment that the the, the depth of talent is so great in golf at the moment that, that look, I think we're going to hopefully have a great week. All right. John Duggan, good All stuff. Right, Take Thanks care. very much for that. You can get uh, John's stuff on otbsports.com and, of course, presenting off the ball on Saturday on News Talk from one as well. It's OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 